Well, it's good to be. No, no beard jokes, please, when I'm here this week. Open your Bibles up, if you'd be willing, to uh, the book of Matthew, chapter 16. Probably going to jump around just a little bit uh, this morning, but uh, that's going to be our main text. It's a privilege to be here, uh, up here in the north. This is real man's country. It'd be tough to live up here, and I don't mean that in any kind of chauvinistic way. But uh, we lived down in Tennessee, and we had a, you know, that big thing that came through the country, and you know, you would have thought it was the apocalypse in Nashville. That three inches of snow about killed us. It about did us in. We almost did make it. So <laughs> I grew up in northeastern Indiana, so it's I try not to be you know, too negative, so I try to make fun of them in the positive when I do it, but uh, so it's good to be back up here in, in the north, and I'm thrilled to be here with you. I got a question for you this morning. Uh, anybody in here ever been, now be careful how you answer, but be truthful. Anybody in here ever been tempted by the enemy? Raise your hand, okay? Like you know it's the enemy, a temptation from the enemy? It's interesting, I was um, looking through the New Testament at the number of uh, times, and it's all over the Old Testament, and there's a lot in the New Testament, but um, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, Paul writes, but I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion in Christ. And so in the same way that the enemy and his forces came after Adam and Eve, they're going to come after you. He says it again in uh, 1 Thessalonians, for this reason, when I could endure it no longer, I sent, uh, I also sent to find out word about your faith for fear that the tempter might have tempted you and our labor would be in vain. And Jesus talks about this as well. It's after the sowing of the seed, after the, the work of the ministry, the enemy comes in and, and uh, kind of undoes that. You realize if you can hear, hear me, if you can hear the enemy speak, who is a spirit, who tempts you, you realize you can hear the spirit speak. It's interesting sometimes when you talk to people about hearing the Lord, you know, you'd be surprised how many times I've heard people say, well, you know, I really can't tell. You can't? You were built to hear the Lord. Really. A couple of passages that it just always stuck out to me in Acts chapter 21, verses 10 through 11. I wanted to read this one to you. There's this guy named Agabus. You love to have a name like Agabus? You know? Basically, Paul and his whole, his whole team are, are uh, traveling in and around Caesarea uh, Philippi. And uh, they stay with this guy named Philip, who's an evangelist in the early church. This guy has a number of daughters in the ministry, verse 9 tells us. But in verse 10 of uh, chapter 21, it says, after we, had passed, uh, after we had been there a number of days, a prophet, you know there's prophets in the New Testament? A prophet named Agabus came down from Judea, coming over to us. He took Paul's belt tied his own hands and feet with it and said, 
the Holy Spirit says. In this way, the Jews of Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. There was a man, there was, there was a man that was operating, hearing the Lord and speaking it forth. Some of my favorite passages in the New Testament, and one of them in particular, is in uh, when Jesus talks about in John chapter 10. He says, listen, my sheep know my voice. You're supposed to be able to hear the Lord speak, sometimes profoundly accurate. Jesus actually says, and in, in just give you a couple of these, just give kind of get us focused in the right direction. In John chapter 16, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's talking about how he's going to leave. They're devastated. You know, it's, it's, they've given their whole life. They followed him. Now, at the, what seems, seems like when things are getting most dire, Jesus says, listen, I'm out of here. And they're devastated. And so he's given them instruction. He says, listen, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to give you the counselor. And the language is really specific in John. Um, and it's echoed by Paul throughout the New Testament that the Holy Spirit's role in your life and my life is one to give counsel. You're supposed to hear. You were created to hear. And he teaches, Jesus teaches. He says, and in, 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 in John chapter 16, verses 6 through 16, we may reference this again this week, but he talks about how specifically the Holy Spirit will speak to the world those who are living in sin, and they hear him, and how the Holy Spirit speaks to the church, and how they hear him. In verse 8, he says, when the Spirit comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. Then he explains that. So the world can hear the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And then he comes down in a few verses, and this is, this is so good. He says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear, meaning that you can't handle it. Verse 13, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. That's Agabus stuff. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. Isn't that good? Um, I started a school a number of years ago, Acts chapter 16, verse, beginning at verse 13. Started a school a number of years ago, and it's a, it's a multi-denominational school, which is risky. Everybody comes arguing. A lot of fun. But it's interesting, there are certain, and I'm a Nazarene, I'm, I'm an ordained elder. This is what they look like now, apparently. So been Nazarene for 26 years and ordained almost that long, and uh, this is my tribe, this is my group, this is my people, whatever you want, whatever language you use up here in North Dakota, um, this is where the Lord has planted me, but it's interesting, and I, I say this with all my heart, I say this at our school, that um, in, in today's precarious world, you'd be shocked and startled at the number of things that the the church in general believes. Are you hearing me? The, the lies that they believe of the enemy. And it's, it's almost like they can't hear. They can't hear. And I'm finding that in my own denomination, which is solid in what we believe. There's denominations that are falling left and right. You, I know if you, you know, I know you live in North Dakota, but I mean, if you, you know, 
keep your head above water, you hear all the different things that, that denominations are picking up and things they're believing and trends they're embracing. And we're just, we're really grounded, honestly. The group that you're with here, they're really grounded. But one of the things I find pretty consistent as I travel from church to church, people act like they can't hear him. They second-guess themselves. Oh, they hear the enemy. Oh, I'm tempted. They talk about it all the time. Well, if you are able to hear the enemy, you're able to hear the Holy Spirit. In fact, I was talking to this one pastor, and uh, he's, he was my pastor when I first got saved, named Danny Goddard, and he was telling me this story, and he is like Mr. Nazarene, okay? I don't know what that means to you, but to some that may mean something. But he's seriously Mr. Nazarene guy, great guy, I love him, still go to his church, and he's just wonderful, and he's almost 70 now. But he, uh, he was uh, telling me this story but, but back, in his, back in his day that he, uh, he was a young pastor. And he said right before the church, they had this huge debt at their church. And he told me how he called his wife and said, the Lord told me. The Lord told me where to ask for an offering to pay off the church debt. And he'd only been at this church like a month. And his wife was like, we're going to have to pack our bags and leave. And that's a radical thing for a pastor to get up and say, I heard from the Lord. And he said, I have to do what I heard. And he got up and he said, I heard from the Lord this morning and spoke it, and they paid off the building that morning. This is phenomenal. I hear people, I hear pastors talking about it, that I'm supposed to stay at this church, or I'm supposed to take a new, new church, or I wasn't planning, and God speaks so significantly. I listen to, you know, You've been around church any amount of time, you're going to hear people that say, God just spoke to my heart. There's a number of ways that he speaks to us. I'll give you a couple really quickly with me before we get into our text, which is about hearing and responding, okay? When I was first studying this and the Lord began to speak to me about it, I was talking about those who are Christians who hear, and my thought was, well, if you're not a, you know, if, if you don't hear, then maybe you might, you know, you might not be walking right with the Lord. But even those who aren't right with the Lord hear the Spirit. So I changed my tactics. If you're not hearing from the Lord, it's because you don't want to. But I want to be your friend. I want you to come. But everyone can hear. I was pastoring. Uh, I was on. A, I was an associate pastor who traveled away consistently, which is wonderful not to be around for all the drama. And um, but then I came back and I was a senior pastor for about two and a half years while I was traveling and went down significantly. But um, during that season, we were reaching out really aggressively to our community. And one Sunday, <laughs> hysterical, one Sunday, one of the ladies in our church, uh, been there a long time, great girl, but didn't take change very well. She comes running up to me. She's like, pastor. She's like, we've got, um, we got two people that want to come in our church. I was like, that's a good thing. She goes, I think they're homosexual. Go to the front, front of the church, and there were these two ladies holding hands. And one was older, one was younger. And the older was really aggressive. And I'm praying, Lord, what do I do on this? Because, I mean, I want, them, I want them to come in. And before I could even introduce myself, I came out and I said, hi, and the older one looks at me and goes, do you allow people like us in your church? And the first thing came out of my mouth, I, I said, do you always begin conversations like this? 
And the younger one laughed, you know? And so I looked at her, and I was like, is she always this uptight? You know, and I just, when I get nervous, I make jokes at people in an in a appropriate way. And I said, is she always this uptight? And she goes, yes. And I really much picked up. The Lord was just really speaking to me that she wanted to be here. She didn't want to be here. And they'd been to every church in town, and they told me the whole story, and, you know, and the older one was like, well, what's your position homosexuality? And I said, uh, I looked at the younger one, and I said, are you a Christian? She goes, yes. I said, me too. So why don't you come in? So moment, let's worship together. Let's seek him together. Let's get to know each other. And I looked at the older one, and I said, when we get to know each other a little bit better, maybe we can start talking about some of this. And I just invited him in. And after about three months, we were able to walk through some very difficult conversations with that couple. And the older one went on her way, and the younger one started living in victory. And it was phenomenal. And it was, it was incredible because apparently you, she'd been to other churches in the community. I'm not sure they were hearing. You, you understand, in the name of Jesus, I'm telling you from the bottom of my heart, we have entered into a day in our church we're just being the casual Christian who shows up to church on Sunday and believes you're just not going to make it. I'm, I'm being honest with you. I don't think you're going to make it. We're entering into a day and age when you're going to have to be the real thing. And that's not, that the real thing is not defined by the kind of clothing you wear or your hairstyles or how much money you give or how you never miss a Sunday, or what you believe. That's a big one in my area. Somehow knowing doctrine and believing who he exists makes you a Christian. I tell him, show me that biblically. Seriously, show me that biblically. The angel, I mean, Satan parades around like an angel of light. What it means to be a Christian is I'm his, I'm his sheep. I'm a child, and I hear him speak, and he leads me and guides me. And it's not always powerful, you know, crazy things. Although three weeks ago I was in Texas. I told pastor this on the way here just so he wouldn't freak out this morning. But three weeks ago I'm in Texas and I'm sitting, out at, I'm sitting at this table for lunch. And there's the pastor's wife, the pastor, another couple, and a college student. And we're all out to eat. And we're hanging out. And, and all of a sudden my right, and this is, it's happened regularly enough. This has become a regular thing in the last year and a half. My right ear, like, slammed shut. It felt like a spiritual finger stuck in my ear. Honestly, I'm not explaining it other than that. And immediately, I just felt the presence of the Lord. And I don't know the language. Heard, maybe. I got this strong impression. Someone at this table has a hearing issue, and the Lord wants to heal them. And so I waited till the conversation died down. And I said, does anybody here have hearing trouble, like ringing? And the pastor's head turned sideways, and he goes, I do. And he was a younger guy, had been in the military for years, and he said, I had hearing damage. I got out with disability. In fact, he's a young guy, late 30s. He says, I wear hearing aids. I've wore hearing aids for years. And I said, I think the Lord wants to heal you. And they all looked at me like I was weird, which I am. And his response was, here? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, well, we could go to the bathroom, but that might be weirder, you know? 
And I said, just give me your hands. And we prayed, and that dude was healed on the spot, right there at the table. In fact, he called me last week, and I said, Eric, how are you doing, man? How's your ear? He goes, I can't sleep. And I said, why? He goes, I can hear everything. <laughs> it's a true story. And so it's really interesting in terms, of the, in terms of the incredible, in terms of just the everyday. What if God could speak to you in the midst of Walmart? You guys have those up here? What if God could speak to you in the midst of your gas stations or the McDonald's drive through you, you realize he does that. I've, I've talked to church boards where they say stuff like, God just made it plain to us this was his will for this church. This was the transit. That's normal. Do you have that? Let me walk you through this passage. This is so cool. Matthew chapter 16, one of, one of those passages that uh, I personally have just never really, I've read it, you know, just because you have to say you've read the whole Bible and be a minister. But I've never really studied it. And I was, I was reading through Matthew chapter 16 just recently in, in response to some other side study I was doing. And I, and I run into this passage and I just, it was right where the Lord was dealing with me on some things in terms of hearing and responding. And it does, I, I, and it, God, you just hear my heart on this. I'm, I'm consistently running into individuals. They know who he is and they believe who he is, but they live like he doesn't exist. And they want to argue and justify with doctrine as they talk to you. And, I'm, and I just look at them and say, leave your doctrine at the school. That's, and that's a blessing where we're ministering. When everybody's multi-denominational, not non-denominational, but multi-denominational, you can't use doctrine. <laughs> you can't use doctrine to argue. And I find myself just going, do you think the Lord's okay with this? And then they're like, Can't you hear him? Is this his heart? Peter is an interesting guy, and Jesus ends up having an interesting conversation with Peter. He's one of my most favorite in the New Testament. I recently watched The Chosen. Anybody watch that? I haven't watched it uh, forever. Just haven't had time, and a lot of times some of the Christian stuff I watch is just like, oh, man, it'd be great if there was, like, good actors in the movie, you know? So, but I ended up watching The Chosen, and I, I loved it. I was like, this is, this is ridiculous, man. I mean, it is ridiculous. And I, I love some of the liberties that they took contextually. It just, I loved it. And I'm watching Peter. <laughs> I was like, it's sad when you look at a character like, what an idiot. And then you see yourself in that character, and you're like, oh, man, that's like me. That's totally me. And like, he's, he's following Jesus, ball, you know, trying to, you know, manage Jesus. Oh, you're awesome, Jesus. Let me keep you on the right track, you know, helping out the Messiah. I'm sure we never do that. And uh, I'm watching him, and he's, he's that volatile guy in Scripture. He's the one that's like, dude, Jesus lived a perfect life with those 12 boneheads. That's impressive. Seriously, with a staff like that, Pastor, you know what I'm saying? That's incredible. I mean, and he didn't fire any of them. That's what's crazy. So Peter is this volatile guy. If you haven't seen him, you need to go watch him. They're, they're pretty remarkable. But he's this volatile guy. And Jesus is in Caesarea Philippi, and you can read this in chapter 16, but he's in Caesarea Philippi, which has got a history with it. You can do some cultural stuff on that and study on that in the land and the area and what had been taking place there and the demonic and the oppression and, and the Gentiles and all of that. And Jesus is walking along, and he says, hey, guys, tell me. He says, 
what are the people saying about me? And that's noise. You know, we have noise in our culture. I'd strongly suggest to you to go home and take that super nice flat screen and just turn it off or turn it off. There's just noise. There's just noise. I hear people all the time, I'm going to fast. I'm going to fast. Fast TV. Just say, you know what? No television for a month. Your kids are going to come in and go, but what do I do with my life? How am I supposed to live? And then you can tell those old stories back when we had like seven channels, you know, and the long phone cord. That's when you employ those. But there's noise. It's what everybody is saying, even church people. There's been a lot of noise this last year. Seriously, like a ton of noise. Vast majority of it is just noise. Jesus says, hey, who do the people say that I am? Because he's stirring up the area. And, they, and it, it's interesting, they bring up all the good things. Oh, don't worry, Jesus, man, people are blown away. You know, you're like the LeBron James, the goat. I had a lady after church a couple weeks ago. She's like, why do you call him a goat? The greatest of all time. It's an acronym, you know. I've been there. I've been there. Things change. So, but Jesus, you're like, I mean, he's like all the big boys. Jeremiah the prophet, John the Baptist, this mover and shaker. And then Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And listen to this. Verse 14. Nope, verse 15. Nope, verse 16. Simon Peter answers, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus goes bananas because this is the core. Hear this, please. This is the core of what it means to be Christian. He says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but my father in heaven. Now notice, up at this point, he's been Simon. He says, dude, hey, Simon, you're hearing. You're hearing. You're hearing. And this came from him. And then he says this, and it's a difficulty in terms of we're going to walk through this slowly. I might need to say it a couple times. I tell you the truth, you are now Peter. So there's been a change. Notice in verse 17, blessed are you, Simon. That would be like, you know, hey, Tiffany, you're now like Barbara. In fact, your name's not even Tiffany. I can't remember what it was, but, you know, hey, he's, he's tossing names. He's like, Simon, you're now Peter. And Peter means stone. I, it's so, some of the commentators <laughs> are not so helpful at times on this verse. Come, people come up with a variety of things. Let me give you some context. He says, you're, you're, now, you're now stone. And on this rock, now this is a pronoun, so you need to refer to the antecedent. Who knows English? Both of us, right on. All right, here we go. All right. So when you have a pronoun in this, you need to go back to refer to what it's referring to. This is a pronoun in the neuter, gender. Peter is not a neuter. This is the first time I preach this. I'm going to have to think through some of the language I'm using. But Peter is in the masculine. Why? Because he's a man. So why is that? It's not on you. They would reword this. It's on this. 
it's referring back to, what's the rock referring back to? The rock is not referring back to Peter. And every scholar, by the way, this is the part everybody believes, everybody agrees on. What's it referring to? Some people say, well, it's the, it's the, it's the rock that Jesus was standing on in Caesarea Philippi. There's no church there. Yeah, it's coming. <laughs> Probably not, okay? What's he referring to? On this rock, what's the rock that Jesus is going to build his church on? Hearing. Hearing. Who do the people say that I am? Dude, there's all kinds of noise. The church is not built on noise. You know how many churches live reactionary to the culture? We've been seeing it. Okay? Not every church, but we've been seeing it. Jesus says, who do you say that I am? Jesus says, the Christ. And, and Peter says, dude, it comes from my dad. And on that is my church. My church is going to be built on people hearing. Because my sheep hear my voice, man. In fact, Peter, it's going to redefine who you are as an individual. You're no longer Simon. You're Peter. Because the rock that the gates of Hades will not be overcome, be able to overcome, is coming to you. And it's literally, it changes his identity. You know when you hear, I'm telling you this is the truth. And many of you, who here has heard the Lord and it's radically changed your life forever and ever and ever and ever? Look around. I was blown away. We were talking on the way here last night and he was telling me some of the things that his son is doing down in Tennessee. You know, the one in the cool rock band? Dude, he's hearing. <laughs> You'd say, how? Because you could, I've had people come up and they're sharing things, and I'm like, that's from the Lord, because you are clearly not that spiritual. <laughs> no, I've heard pastors preach, and I'm like, that definitely did not come from him. I know that guy. No, seriously, I know that guy. The enemy cannot prevail on what comes from the throne. It just can't. Why? Because truth uncovers the, are you listening? Listen, truth uncovers the lie. You mean people believe lies? All spiritual bondage in your life is a lie that you true you is you choose to believe. The enemy comes and lies to you, sneaks in where there's hurt and pain and trauma, and he whispers a lie. I'm not worthy. I deserve that. I caused that. Look at who, and you believe that. And Jesus comes and says, that's not who you are. And it frees you. That's what the church is built on. This is not radical new stuff. This is what the church is built on. And it redefines what he says next in verse, in verse um, 19. Two things in verse 19. He says, and I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. What's that? That's authority. Listen, when you hear this, this is huge. When you're hearing from him and you're embracing truth, you have authority. It's restored to you. You walk in freedom. You walk right out. Now, this is the part that also people get really weirded out about. And let me read it to you. He says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. It almost sounds like, Peter, dude, you're the rock, man. Peter's probably going, dude, you check, you guys listening? Because whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Peter's like, dude, I'm binding all kinds of stuff today. 
I can see him saying that. In fact, he does immediately. He looks to Jesus. Jesus, we're going to go and I want to be killed. Jesus is, Peter's like, well, I've got this newfound authority. Jesus, we're changing that schedule. <laughs> well, clearly something's wrong. And it's the, the grammar here. Oh, grammar is a, a good thing. Grammar is a good thing. Because it sounds like whatever you bind, God's going to honor that and bind it in heaven. That's not what it is at all. Whatever you bind on earth and whatever you loose on earth, that's true. But the phrase will be bound in heaven and will be loosed in heaven, let me explain that. In Koine Greek, there's something called a future, it's a future, I know what this is, it's a future perfect verbal construction. It gets more exciting. It's a future perfect verbal construction. I had to think to make it sound as easy as it is. The future tense is something that happens in the future. That's easy. But what's the perfect tense? Because it's a verbal construction, so there's both a future and a perfect acting together. A perfect tense is something that happened in the past that is influencing my present and with the future, it's also influencing my future. So it's something that happened in the past that's not only going to change the way that I think here, but ongoing. That's what a perfect is. And that's the what will be bound in heaven. So whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. So you should actually translate it, will have already been bound in heaven. Will have already been loosed in heaven. Here's what he's saying. He says, Peter, whatever you bind on earth... Okay, whatever you bind on earth, that will have already been bound in heaven. And the context is, Peter, you were Simon, but now you're the stone. Why are you the stone? Because what's going on in, in you is you're hearing from the Father. And what God has already bound in the heavens is going to come to you, and you're going to release that. And you know, Peter, what's going to be the significance of your ministry you're going to bind what I've already desired to be bound. And you're going to release what I've already bound to be released. In fact, Peter, you're going to be the event from what's going on in heaven is going to be released. That's how he taught them to pray. Here's how you pray, guys. Let my kingdom come. Let thy will be done. On earth as it is here. How you and I are called to live. We're to literally be the dispensers by which God, who's in heaven, in the throne room, decrees something in our world, and he reveals it, and we just let that dude fly. Seriously. When I was talking with a young lady who came to our church, God just spoke to her. And she was like, I'm not living right. And it was so, it was so, it was so difficult because she looked to the, the, her, her girlfriend, her, they were living together, but they'd went and gotten married and the, old was, the older lady was really hurt. And she was like, what, are you moving out? And she was, no, you're my best friend, but I'm moving to the next bedroom down the hall. And I just spoke identity into her and love into her. I reminded her of who she is. Dude, that whole time, I'm like, I'm way, this is over my head. Seriously, I'm way in over my head. I didn't come up with the afternoon meal time. I didn't come up with that. 
And there's, I, I found in terms of pray, there's people that come up and say, will you pray that, you know, could you pray for healing in my life? Oh, absolutely. I didn't hear anything, but we can ask him. James chapter 5 says ask him. But then there are times when that kind of thing happens, and in my heart, I don't have to ask. Why? He already said, do this. I just look at him and go, guess what? <laughs> this is hysterical. Doesn't even depend on their belief. He wants to do this. How do you know? What if we could live that way every day? This is the punchline. This is where you're like, wow, we got to come back tonight. This guy's killing it. This is normal. This is normal. This is how you and I are called to live. Just releasing. It's why you get up. It's why you're, if you, if you, if you grown up in a home where you wake up and you come downstairs or upstairs and you see mom or dad in the word or grandma and grandpa in the word, what are they doing? And we've all been in positions where he brings a passage of scripture to our mind. And we're supposed to, that's not, that's not super. That's normal. My sheep know my voice. Uh, honestly, what, what's really been on my heart this morning as I've been preparing Are you hearing? Because there's issues that we're facing. It's just not easy. Seriously, there are things that are not easy. In fact, one of the things I hear quickly is, well, there's issues we're facing that the Bible doesn't seem to address. The Bible describes what you and I are supposed to look like, which is a people that hear from the Lord. This is not an encyclopedia to go find legalistic answers for your life. This describes who you and I are, and you and I walk in intimacy with him, and let's go back to him and see what he wants to do in the middle of the situation. That's Christian. Just do this or do this. Be like, you're missing it, or I love it. Watch the beard. Okay? I love it. Yeah, I'm hearing him. Because I've got a 16-year-old son. I've got a 15-year-old son. And I've got a 13-year-old daughter. Yeah, life's terrible. And they're in a different animal. They're a dip, that whole generation. I love them. But they're facing things that I never had to face. Everything's so accept, accessible. And when you're talking to your kids about this isn't necessarily bad, but it leads to. I mean, show me where Snapchat is bad. We shouldn't probably go there. My, my point is, is that I mean, there's things in the scriptures. Did you, I'm telling you, you're entering into a day and age where if you don't know him and you only know about him, you're in trouble because your kids are not going to respond and stay in an institution of right and wrong. They're going to need to be involved with a living person that actively participates in their daily living. It's the only chance you have. So uh, a couple quick things. Oh. I think Cheryl is going to come, and uh, we're just going to maybe play in the background kind of soft. Here's what we do where I'm from. We have city services, and our uh, response time is really, it's really precarious. All the radicals respond to one side, and then the rest of us normal folk, we come to the other side. 
And so I don't know who you are, if you need to come and pray, or if you want to sit in your seat, or you want to turn and kneel, or you want to stand up. I think within reason we're cool with how you want to respond. But um, I want to press you. First, I want you to come back this week. I mean, this is your deal. But I want to have you, I would like you to come back. I'll be responsible with your time this week. Okay? But what I want to do is I want to come back. To, I don't want to give you my perspective. I want to come back to the scriptures. And I want to allow the word to paint a picture of what you're supposed to look like. Because I don't really care that you've come to church your whole life. Or that you don't smoke, drink, or chew, or go with girls who do. Yeah, that's not what a Christian is. Are you listening to me? I don't care if you wear suit and ties or if you're a fifth generation Nazarene. I don't care. That's not what it is. It's never been what it is. It's about a personal, intimate relationship where I walk with him and talk with him every day. And you can drift out of that, folks. I can't tell you the number of churches I've been to that have held on legalistically to certain things for so long that that church becomes an irrelevant factor in their community. And they're the same 30 or 40 people that have been in that community for 70 years. I don't go to those churches anymore because they're not making an impact. In fact, that church will die and no one will even know. No one's ever gonna remember. In the name of Jesus, when I came here this morning, I heard him so clear. This is not normal. This is not uh, old school. This is wow. This is relevant. I told your pastor, I said, God does not give something like this to a church that he doesn't favor. And I don't know if I'd go here or not. <laughs> I mean, it's cool, but there's responsibility for being a part of this body. Hear me. With great, with, with great stewardship and favor, there comes great responsibility. Especially for some of you young folk. We live in a world, I find something, and it's so, I travel all over the country, I speak 35, 40 churches a year, and I do. I, I, there's a generation that, that tips into, and obviously I'm not talking about your church, okay, just all those other churches in the world. I, there's a generation that seems to tip into user mentality, the cool church they come to. What can you do for me? How cool are you? See, I think if you're hearing, God is bringing you to be a part, because you there's a mechanism that God wants to establish here called the body of Christ where a variety of gifts and talents and abilities are used to reach and change an entire city. I think that's you. This is incredible. You're in the center of town. You lucky dogs. It's phenomenal. So I want you to come this week. Let's come back to the word and say, Jesus, who do you want us to be? What do you want us to look like in this hour? Just as honest and as, as, as forthcoming as I can be. That's what we want to do this week. Come. I, th I think you need to be here. And the second thing, if you're here this morning, and this is what's so beautiful, I, I lean on this. There's only a certain point that persuasion can bring you. I'm, I just believe this morning that the Holy Spirit is speaking to some of you. And whether you hear him or not, you're hearing him now. I know it. And it's so neat. 
One last thing. I've been to church, I was at a church recently, and this guy told me, he goes, my favorite thing to see is when you have someone come to church, and they've been wayward, and they, they, they walked away from the Lord, and they get saved. I love that. I said, ah, that's, that's cool. He goes, what do you like to see? I said, I love to see that person who's come to church for 30 years and has shriveled up and died and become cold, and after 30 years of serving on the board, they get saved. I love it. Fresh vision. That's where the term revival came from. Revive. Bring life again. Are you hearing him? Not, I know what he said, what he's saying. Dude, I mean, can you hear him? He's got a dream for, for Valley City in the name of Jesus. He's speaking in dreams. I want to talk to you about that afterwards with your pastor. He speaks to you. He'll tell you of things yet to come if you're not listening. So we're just going to have a time of response. Just briefly, your pastor's the pastor, and he's going to come and dismiss us. And he said we had to get out of here by one, so we're going to have to hurry. But let, let's, let's just seek would you be open to that? Father, we love you this morning. And I love you. I love your word. I love the body getting together. More than anything, I love how you speak. And you are remarkable. You speak to us so intimately like we're the only ones in the room. And so we do. We, we, we've worshiped you. You've inhabited the praise of your people. And you're speaking to individuals, Lord, in the church. You're speaking to individuals this morning as a part of a whole, but you're speaking to individuals. I think maybe there are some here who do need to come and respond. Father, there might be some that have just been distracted from your voice. They've been distracted with other things, other things that have taken priority over you. But Father, there's... There's some here that are not bad or not evil. They've just been in a holding pattern. And you've got new and fresh voice. Not, not new truth, but a new, fresh voice. There's something you want to speak to, uh, speak through us to our next door neighbor or, the, or my friend who doesn't come to church or the person that I work with or a grandson or a granddaughter or a son or daughter there's things that have been boiling for years and you're just, you want to open that door. You want to orchestrate the whole thing. I'm available. Here am I. Would you speak this morning? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed and no one's looking around. Anybody here like that? Anyone here like that? Maybe you need to come and maybe you need to pray. We got some steps around here. I think there's a prayer place over there. Maybe you just need to turn. I love this part. This is what we do at our, at our place. We don't have altar calls because we don't have any place for it. What we do is we just tell couples to turn towards each other and grab their hand and say, hey, I need you to pray for me, honey. Yeah, I'm not doing good. I haven't been listening. I'm not bad. I'm not evil, but I haven't been listening. And I, I need, I, I just got to confess, Jesus, I want you to speak to me. I want you to return to be the most significant voice in my life. 
Anybody like that this morning? No one's looking around. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Anyone want to just slip your hand up and raise it back down? Come on, there's more than that. Come on, help me. Yeah, put it back down. Now, just reach over and take your wife's hand and just say, hey, let's, let's pray. So we're just going to kind of, pastor said it last night on the way home, he goes, silence sometimes is a beautiful thing. So let's, let's just talk to him and practice hearing him this morning. If you want us to pray with you, um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be lingering after the service and the pastoral team as well. We'd love to pray with you, no matter what it is about. But let's, let's do some business this morning because I really believe our future is at stake. Father, over these next few minutes, we're just gonna, we're gonna listen to you. We're gonna step out of organizing you, moving and let you do what you wanna do in these moments. You're so good. We're open to you to reveal to us how wonderful you are, but we're also open for you to reveal to us what needs to change in our life in these moments. In the name of Jesus, speak. In a few minutes, pastor's gonna come or whenever he thinks it's appropriate, he's your pastor. And so he's gonna give us some closing uh, direction and instruction for the rest of this week and, uh, and then close us in prayer. But if you'd like to come and pray, you can do that. We're just gonna kind of, Terry, just for a couple minutes and then we'll dismiss.